What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another depressing episode of the Celtics Talk podcast here on the NBC Sports Boston Podcast Network. While the Celtics are struggling, we're we're loaded and, and ready to compete today because we've got a loaded show. Brian Scalabrini drops by to talk about Boston's struggles. And then later in the program, I got a chance to catch up with Danny Ainge and talk about how he's enjoying retirement. Maybe he won't be retired for much longer. Uh, and his thoughts on the struggling seas and why he's still optimistic that they can turn things around. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to try to stay positive here today, but, I, but no, no promises as we go along here. Uh, let's, let's, get, let's get to Scal and see. Let's take his temperature on this team. All right, Scal, uh, you were busting my ass yesterday about riding the roller coaster. So I need to we'll start with a little temperature check. How are you feeling about your Boston Celtics? All right, so so I just got out of the sauna because mm. that's why I didn't have my radio show today because of the late night, and I was just like sitting there contemplating Celtics, right? And you know how I'm on you about rotations all the time. I'm like, I've been there, dude. You can't just gift minutes to guys, right? But how do you like this philosophy? So you saw the Celtics get down big, and then you see Schroeder picking up full court and Smart picking up full court, even Jason Tatum picking up, right? Turning guys, playing faster, right? So, and I'm not, this is, I don't want to be uh, Vivek Rudadive here, you know, like, wow, my AAU team does it this way. And, you know, like, but there is something, I thought about something. Why not use like Peyton Pritchard, why not use Aaron Neesmith? Just to wreak havoc out there. Are you telling me? Let me just ask you this question. Last night, let's just use last night in particular, and we can even look forward to the the um, the Suns with Chris yep. Paul. Like, I don't know when this is airing, but you know, obviously the Suns are a very like good. ten minutes after this finishes, will be people will be right. digesting this. So, so, just so you conceptualize this and see, and and please play devil's advocate with me, right? Sure. Why not? Why not wear the hell out of Reggie Jackson? all game long like put them in a, a torture chamber look at you're gonna deal with a little bit of smart early on maybe some shrewder then you bring in peyton pritchard aaron neesmith you pick him up and like all game long he is just fighting off defenders and i'm not i'm not saying like full court press run around crazy all i'm asking for is an individual to come out there and turn him twice in the backcourt and now all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter right and now market smart gets to sink his teeth into reggie jackson like what what version of reggie jackson will we see now that's just one okay so you say what about a great point guard i'll go next game chris paul we've seen what drew holiday did to chris paul and what can you imagine him having to fight that off possession after possession so i'm looking around the identity of this team i you know and you know me i love defense and i love the team i love the way they play i love the way they share the ball but the big question mark is do they play hard do are they giving it their all you watch the first half and you see okay they're just kind of going through the motions getting busted by brandon boston who played really well by the way but in the second half they pick up and they're playing with some defensive energy and all of a sudden they're into the ball and they're playing with force so why can't we take this bench that we have and like sprinkle a little bit of that? And I would tell, I'd be completely honest with Peyton Pritchard. You get, you get your ass in there and you pick up the ball and you turn it. And if you don't, you're coming out and you want to earn your way in this league. This is how you earn your way. And I think Peyton Pritchard would say like, forget worrying about like, how do I play offense? My shot, all this other bull crap, right? Worry about going out there and turning guys, Aaron Neesmith, you know what? Forget about your jumper. Just go worry about going out there and, 
and picking up whoever is bringing the ball up, whoever brings comfort to the other team and just completely wreaking havoc on those. And you can go down the list in the NBA. You want to play the Chicago Bulls? Lonzo Ball. You want to play the, the, the Brooklyn Nets? That's going to be James Harden. And eventually these guys are going to get irritated. So that's where I'm at with this team. Hopefully they kind of adapt to this and pick up and just like, because I, and I'm not asking Tatum, Smart, Schroeder, with all the things that they have to do to pick up the ball full court and do that throughout the game. But you can't tell me that those other guys can't play 12 minutes and just make the the life of whoever's bringing the ball up the court a living hell. That's where I I'm think, at. I think it's great in theory. And then I think about how does a team that goes into the Staples Center or Crypto Chamber or whatever it's called and uh, <laughs> just completely lets down against their rival, then then comes out the next night and doesn't pay attention to the scouting report. They're calling him Mr. 46 coming out of the G League and let Brandon Boston get going. And has, as you said, we're, we're lifeless at times in that first half. I don't understand how there are these lulls in intensity and motivation. Like for me, it comes down to, I don't get how this team sometimes operates as if it can just show up and win games. And I know that's a natural reaction when you hear, oh, no Kawhi, no Paul George. But when has this team ever been able to to come out and just roll through an opponent. They have to be locked in. And the turnovers, everything to me comes back to this mental weakness, I guess. Like, I don't understand why they can't be tougher. I think uh, they I'll explain it. I'll explain it to you. So, so we got, so let's just talk a few things, right? We got Celtic Lakers, his history, rivalry, right? Okay. So that means a lot to a lot of people, right? And I, I would, I would, Venture to say it probably means a lot to the guys on the Celtics. I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. Okay. But let's, let's value meaning here. Mm -hmm. All right. So then we have guys that care about their, their points and scoring in the contracts. Like that's a, that's a valid concern in the NBA. You can see how guys. Okay. So then you go on and you say, well, my team, your team, all these other things, right? The, the ultimate motivator, LeBron, who you play, NBC Sports, Boston TV, national TV, whatever it is, the ultimate motivator is playing time. So how about uh, Ime Udoka says, all right, you guys, you know, I love all you guys. I love the way you guys work. But how about this? Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Lankford. I want you guys to be like a pack of wild dogs out there. And I want you to like think about getting every second you can and now all of a sudden, Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, looking behind him, not even Tatum and Brown, because, you know, like everybody wants to play. Everybody wants more possessions. By using that group as that, as the ultimate motivator. And didn't we talk about this in the preseason? We were wrong because we realized our depth is not as good as we thought it was. But we talked about everybody fighting tooth and nail to get every second they can get on the court. Are we at that point right now? So you could take away at times like Celtic Laker lore is a big deal, right? But at times you could see throughout the course of 103 possessions on offense, 103 possessions on defense, you could see how it's like, it can waver like, oh man, I'm playing the Celtics. I, am I going to play as hard as I possibly can? And you could see how in an NBA player, you can waver into contracts and all the things I mentioned. But you know what NBA players are, are consumed about and think about all the time? Minutes. So I'm thinking, why not take this bench? Even Hernan Gomez, who plays hard, right? Why not take this bench 
and say like, forget like if they're making, we talk about, oh man, the bench gives us no support. Bench scoring, bench is only shooting this percentage. Why don't we just take the bench and say, you know what? Those things will come and go and we can't worry about that. Keep doing your work, all that. But just go in there and defend at a high level. Now all of a sudden, Marcus Smart, who gets his three-minute break, looking at Peyton Pritchard out there like a wild dog, and now all of a sudden it's a seven-minute break. That's good for Marcus Smart over the course of a season. That's good for Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter. So I'm my focus now is on those guys chipping in. This is like the this is the dog days. I'm outside. I'm looking out the window. There's snow on the ground. When snow hits the ground, it's the dog days of the NBA. So now you got to be motivated day in and day out. Night after night, you got to find out who's going to motivate you. And when I watch it, it's, it's got to be Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Lankford fighting, fighting for every second, every possession, turning Reggie Jackson, turning Chris Paul. Not just going out there and like, oh, do I make a shot today? Yay, I'm happy. Boo, I'm sad. Like, that's not what's going to get it done. And that's not going to motivate this team. And that should not be this team's identity. It should be the defensive end and all guys coming in there. So it's it's slightly concerning to hear you say that the motivation on this team has to come from three guys who can't get on the court at it consistently and that it doesn't come from the top. But, no, but I'm giving I, you the reason why they can. No, I I, I understand. I, and, it, and it's fair. But is, is that also going to make Josh Richardson not go with a crazy double team with uh, and leave a wide open three point shooter in crunch time? Might. Is, is that going to make Marcus Smart throw a better lob pass to Jason Tatum in transition when you just like absolutely have to have a score? So. I get what you're saying. And and like, look at every level of this team, they need more, but um, it, it, it is, a, it is a fascinating conversation because I'll put it this way. So I'm at that tradition last night. I say to Danny Ainge, you know, what has to change for this team to get 48 minutes and be, be more consistent. And he says, well, you know, health will help. And, but like Jason and Jalen are going to be fine. They need their supporting cast to give them more. And then I go over to Kevin McHale. I say, Hey, what does this team have to do to be more consistent? He goes, well, if you're worrying about the ninth man, then you're, you're, you're never going to get stimulated because it has to be Jason and Jalen. I, I do think there is probably somewhere in the middle. I think they need a little bit yeah, more. But those from- guys are, those guys are jaded by their experience with championships. Like they're like ignoring the regular season journey. That's dude. Talk to Danny. You, you know, Danny, you talk mm-hmm. to Danny, right? Like Danny could care less about the journey. Like he just doesn't think of like he, he doesn't think like if teams have all kinds of dramatic problems throughout the season, they'll figure it out because the playoffs, everything figures itself out with the best players. You have the best players, you'll win. But like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here like giving you that this team because Peyton Pritchard turns Reggie Jackson three times in the backcourt for eight straight minutes that all of a sudden they're going to win a championship. But like right now you, you, your identity can't, you, you got to have an identity and the identity what, what is their is identity defense playing hard playing hard is a real identity over the course of 82 100 play but hard it, but, it, but it wanes and that's my and that is my problem yeah because you you there's no there's nobody behind you telling you 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 got to play harder you got to play harder not if udoka says marcus you've got to play harder you gotta look down the bench and say like well those guys ain't gonna play that they're not taking my minutes like I don't, you have to understand that minutes is the ultimate minutes mean money. Money means, you know, longevity, right? It it all comes from minutes. It all starts from minutes. Minutes mean more shots, more possessions, more this, more that. Everything comes from minutes. So right now I said at the beginning of the year, man, this team is going to be fighting for minutes. There's a lot of guys going to be fighting for minutes, not from the big position, even though Ennis Freedom has been uh, like a a really pleasant surprise for sure. The guards, man, they're so deep in, in the guards, but 
Pritchard has struggled. Neesmith has struggled. Romeo has been good, but Romeo can bring another level of intensity. Then all of a sudden, 11 turns to 19. And I think the, the ultimate motivator has to be that. It can't be the other stuff. So I think that those guys got to come in and think like, why not emphasize? Why does Brayden Pritchard care if he misses threes? Or I mean, why do we as Celtic fans or as a coaching staff, why do we care about that if he's wearing the hell out of Chris Paul sure. uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, you know, to me, there's like there's a value to everything here. It's a 48 minute game. It's 103 possessions in a game. Peyton Pritchard can impact a few possessions on the defensive end, which could help the team long term. Look, they pick up full court. They they walk back a lead. They could have easily won that game without some boneheaded errors defensively and those three layups. But you can't be getting down and trying to battle back just when you start playing hard. You got to play hard, and that's this team does not play hard because they don't look behind them thinking I got to play hard or I'm coming out of the game. Well, a couple things there. I mean, you don't have to tell the, the president of the Aaron Neesmith, like, chaos fan club to just, like, that's, I, that's why I think he should play. It's just things happen when he's in there. Does he make the right play all the time? No, but he plays his butt off, and good things happen because of it. And if you get the bonus that he learns to develop into a more consistent shooter, that's a good thing. From the big picture standpoint, while I completely agree with your idea of, of, of like, infusing energy and making that your identity and all that, why isn't this team more motivated organically like why isn't it enough to be struggling and for Jason Tatum to be like this is unacceptable maybe it's just like for those guys maybe it's a long season you know maybe they just like you slide into the rut like you've seen the team sometimes they're like they're it's like they're not the only team in the NBA that goes through the motions right like if you watch a lot of NBA games I think maybe sometimes we get you know so singular focused on the Celtics like I watch a lot of teams and they just like slide out of that rut and like depth and playing time is the ultimate way to do it. And that's why, like, I think we do have depth. I, you can't tell me that Neesmith and Pritchard can't go in there if they just focus on defense for 14 minutes. Like, that, those guys should be playing. Like, and I don't care. Like, eventually, I think they'll make shots. But I'm not going to let Peyton Pritchard just come out there and not play hard. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to let Aaron Neesmith go in there and not play hard. And I just think you take that energy and intensity and playing hard and you and you and you focus it like listen I need it's as clear as day I need you Peyton Pritchard to turn Chris Paul two times in the backcourt can you do that for me you know how hard Forsberg right now I'm better than you at basketball if I had to turn you two times in the backcourt eventually I'm gonna be tired right so just imagine if you had me on you for two minutes then Peyton Pritchard, then Aaron Neesmith, then Marcus Smart, then it goes back to Schroeder, then Aaron Neesmith, then Peyton Pritchard. Like, can you just mentally, during a regular season game, you don't want to have to deal with that. So I just, they have to play harder. They have to do more. They have to infuse their energy. And you don't have to be dumb. It's not, I'm not asking you to go for fouls or try to steal the ball. Turn the guy in the backcourt two times. That's all I'm asking for. And I don't I don't think that that's too much. I don't think that's too much. If I went to Peyton Pritchard, I made him a deal. Son, you want 12 minutes? Yeah. Okay, I need you to turn Chris Paul two times in the backcourt every possession. Can you do that for me? Yeah, I could do that for you. And then when campaign, do the same thing. Like, just insert energy into this team. By the way, and, and, and don't, don't be mistaken by this. Sometimes bench players can play so hard and make hard winning type of plays that the the stars or the starters can be uh inspired by that play and i'm i'm not i'm not inspired right now 
by watching those guys play. There's nothing that they do that I'm like, wow, man, these guys really laying it out there. They deserve more time. Yeah, I'm not inspired by anything I see from this team. 72 and 69 over last the last 140 games. They are the epitome of one step forward, one step back. I will take any advice that you think can get them to play at a higher level, and we'll see if turning players with Peyton Pritchard is enough. But I want to try to stay optimistic. So I, I, I'm just going to ping pong here. I want, I want to find like three reasons for optimism with the Boston Celtics. What gives you the most hope that they can figure this thing out? They have uh, the personnel to defend. They should. I mean, mm-hmm. go down the list. Everybody on this team can guard, you know, like I would even say that freedom couldn't guard, you know, at the beginning of the year, but I think even he is doing a good job. In His numbers have been good. Yeah. Really good. He has fast hands. He doesn't block shots or he doesn't get out there and do it, but he, he, he like his numbers are good. So whether whether you watch him and you think, man, uh, he can't guard anybody. Well, historically he couldn't guard anybody. His defensive numbers are good, and I and I give uh, Udoka a lot of credit for that. Like he's not putting him in mm-hmm. actions that he just can't guard. Like if, for instance, just use the Suns. Like if Chris Paul is out there, Cantor's not going to be out there. It's just going to go a different direction. So person personnel wise, I think that they can guard people, which is important. So. You have, and you have the guy. I think Tatum is the guy, and I think they're they're do, making a conscious effort to move the ball. At times they don't, but I think in general it's better than what we saw last year as far as like the intent. So you have defense, you have ball movement, and you have a guy that should be able to close out games. And Shooter has been a pleasant surprise. Like I am, I really enjoy watching him play. And I asked Coach Udoka yesterday during the pregame presser. I said. You know, like Schroeder's numbers are amazing on back-to-backs. He goes, why? And I, I interviewed Schroeder. He's like, man, I was feeling tired, but I just figure out a way to go out there. Mm-hmm. Toughness cannot be understated right here because, like, he is he's a guy that's banged up, ankle, whatever, but he's still out there playing. And in this day and age where no one plays to anything, it's, it's really refreshing to see. And so, like, that's what I'm optimistic about. What, how much can Jalen Brown's return take some, alleviate some of what is, has ailed them? I, I don't know what Jalen Brown's going to show up. I really mm-hmm. don't. I, I don't know if it's like the transition attack, you know, get downhill, the drive closeout, straight line drive. You know, I don't know if that guy's going to show up. I don't know if the guy that is going to show up trying to find his game, like for what he wants to be, you know, he wants to be a guy who can run isolation or whatever. I don't know if that guy's going to show up. I don't know if the catch and shoot Jalen Brown's going to show up, but you know, there is a best version of Jalen Brown. I think that best version is attack closeouts, right? So you have a, you have Jalen Brown's going to play, let's call it 34 minutes, right? So he's, a, he's playing off of the guys, attacking closeouts, getting out in transition, catching and shooting. Like you'll never, I'll never be mad at Jalen Brown for every possession that he does that. Then there's going to be a time where he's going to have the ball in his hands and he's going to have to create for other people. That's probably like seven minutes. Like, you know, I, I'd like to see an improvement in that area. But the area that I would like to see less of is the J- Jason Tatum just shot a step back. Right. Now let me go shoot an 18 foot pull up, you know, like there's there's times for that but like Jalen Brown I don't I'm not sure he understands the times and when to use that shot it's not who, who is that on like because I, I think it is fair like there's it's on Jalen Brown my, my turn so it's my turn basketball is on Jalen to to avoid no, no but... I mean it's not on no like if Tatum does it it's on Tatum and if right. Brown takes okay. a bad shot whoever takes the bad shot unless these guys live under a rock they, they must know what a bad shot is like they have to know what a bad shot is they have sometimes, to. I, sometimes I wonder 
Do you think that someone on the coaching staff like brings the the stats to Jalen? You're shooting 17% off pull-ups, step back pull-ups. Like he has to know. And by the way, and and then he crumples up that paper and goes, teardrop. (laughs) No, I mean, (laughs) these guys don't. uh, That's a big misconception about how NBA players are. They all want to be good. Jalen Brown wants to be good. And if he's shooting 17% on something, then he's like, okay, the difference would just be, I'm not going to scrap that. And, and basketball is art, not not like Kyrie Irving art, but like Yikes. it's not science, right? There mm-hmm. are times when you have to shoot that shot. Like there are times, of course, two for one opportunity, and shot clock's running down. There are times for that, but like once you take it's it's. I mean, I've seen so many games, and I've been around so many different players. Once you take one bad shot, it could equal out to like. 10 of the next 15 possessions on your team could be bad possession. It spreads like wildfire, man. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be like, next thing you know, Aaron Eastmith is like, you know, going ISO. It, it, it's so bad when you take bad shots, not just, but see, that's maybe, maybe they don't see it this way. Maybe I just see it this way. Cause I've seen this oh, through all my, this like, I've been part of the NBA now for 20 something years, 21 years. Right. Like you can't be thinking, I I can make this shot. You have to always have it in the back of your mind, like this is is this a great shot for the team? Because mm-hmm. once you start thinking I can do something, then the next guy's gonna be saying, Well, if he can, then I can too. So, but there's a there's the elite version of Jalen Brown. It's not like there's a, you know, he's just uh, he only takes though he's not J.R. Smith out there. Like there's an elite version <laughs> no, of, of, of Jalen Brown. And I, you know, like we're hopeful that we could see that, but you know, like the whole thing about look what I've worked on this off. This is my, I don't have a problem with those personal trainers. My, my beef with the personal trainers is, Hey, let's work on inside out behind the back crossover, yeah. step back, whack, you know, we'll do that. Let's make 50 of those. Like those habits sink in. And just because your personal trainer says it's a good shot, which is, by the way, it is all skill development, but I just, you have to understand what a good shot, bad shot, timing, you know, like time and score, all that stuff. And the best version of Jalen Brown is a stud. So the worst yeah. version of Jalen Brown is a lot of that stuff. And, and so I think that's just my fear is that it, even when he first came back from the hamstring, even as he was coming back from COVID, I thought there was time where they were trying a little too hard to get him activated and get him going. And like, there's, you got to have some of that, right? Like the guy's been on the sideline and wants to, he's going to look for his own at times, but I do think they need to find the balance. For, for me, the optimism comes from, I thought there was a stretch there in the fourth quarter where Tatum looked what we call MVP Tatum, like attacking the basket, looked like he wanted to take over that game. For whatever reason, they got away from it late, and maybe that was some bad rolls on those layups. <laughs> for whatever but, reason. Yeah, and well, I mean, it, for whatever reason, every single night it feels like we're there's for whatever reason, and I can't quite put my, 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 my finger on it. Uh, I do think Romeo and Grant, 2019 draft class, stand-up Danny Ainge, has been yeah. much better this year. We were talking about Romeo and those, those corner attacks uh, last night. I think he's really made strides. So I, there are little pockets of positivity. My problem is, is for whatever reason, they just have not all been sustainable. And I, I just can't understand why that is. Like the Celtics are not talented enough to get away with kicking the ball and turning it over 20 times. And yeah, no. no. they operate like they can get away with that. And like, I, I, I need more, you know, for me, that's where email has to be like, that's not acceptable. And even if that means hard decisions, like of, of taking guys off the floor, when those, when those come in bunches, um, I think they just got to figure out how to, how to make that not a habit. And unfortunately uh, it has been, 
but unfortunately there's a lot more negativity. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to, to, uh, to pounce on me here. What's going on with my boy, Rob? Why is he, why is he struggling on, on the defense the last couple of games? Like his, his, the, you know, the same things that plagued Rob, I think his first two years are yep. now back. Like, I don't, you remember how I kept telling, we, we weren't as close as we are right now. Like we used to, t- we talk all the time now. Right. Cause I was always traveling, whatever mm-hmm. you were doing your thing, whatever. But there were like, you can't, you can't, this is like the, in, in the NBA, you can't be out of position in pick and rolls. You know what I mean? Right, and like, right. so NBA guards, when they come off, they're like, you gotta remember, it's like, they're not, not thinking about like, you know, solving world peace here. They come off, they see a lane to the basket, they're gone. Right. By the way, they, if they come off and they see a lane to the basket about to open up, they're gone. So Rob was really bad. And I think probably so many years of being super talented and playing, mm-hmm. you know, inferior opponents and like, all right, you can go ahead and I'm going to block your shot, all that stuff. But there was a time when he got really good, like his positioning got good. Now he's like creeping back to that. Like just, if you can, if you want to like dissect it, guy comes off a pick and roll, pause it. He, they got to see 44 Celtics right mm-hmm. there. If they come off and it's Rob Williams and there's the rim, they're going to go and these guys are going to get into him. And, and by the way, Rob could still make some amazing blocks and block the shot. But first and foremost, you've got to have great positioning. And I don't know what's going on. He's creeping back into that, that old stuff. And then offensively, just not slowing down enough. Like there's, I love the lobs. I love him. I love the way he passes, but I feel like he's like, he's playing too fast right now offensively. So he's got to kind of slow that down. But the biggest thing for me is defensively, just his positioning, which was bad. His first two years got really good last. This is his fourth year, right? Right. Yeah, last year he got really good at that, and at times he's good here. But the last couple of games, he's just been out of position big time. It feels like when he starts to think a little bit too much and just doesn't sort of. And I know you got to, but I think sometimes you get in your own head, and now all of a sudden you're like, "Oh man, am I am I in the right spot?" And instead of just letting your instincts take over, I thought there were stretches at the start of the year where he really just sort of let that take over, trusted it. I think there's been some clunkiness when Al's out there, like knowing where, like he was so much on the perimeter at the start of the year and now he's more on the back line. I, you know, so I think he's just working mm-hmm. through some stuff, but it is a little bit frustrating that um, I think we see how good he can be, how impactful he can be. And, you know, as much as anyone get overly consumed with the, the loud lob dunks and being three feet over Anthony Davis, but um, they need him to be better. And we said at the start of the year, like he's probably the most vital player just because Good of how time. unique he is. And not only just in terms of staying on the court, but being impactful in those minutes and taking the pressure off Al Horford, making it so you can play and his freedom in, in, in small pockets of minutes. And uh, yeah, they, they need more from him. So I, I just have to be accountable. I'm putting my hand up. Like if I'm going to ride yeah. the, the, the Rob Williams uh, hype train when he's playing good, I got to be here uh, when he's playing bad. I but you have to him. admit, you have to admit we're much better with Williams and uh, with Grant and Grant. Al on the floor. Yeah. Like, it's, it's funny, you know, like Grant Williams, he talks and he talks too much. And everyone's like, oh, he talks too much, but that's valuable, man. <laughs> it's valuable. And, <laughs> yeah. and I know, like, I know, like, I'm, this is what I do for a living now, right? This is like, but when I was on the court, I'm not like a shy person. And I, I always, mm-hmm. even if I'm saying nothing, like I got your back, I'm here to your right, right? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm right here. You just never stop. And 
you can't be a good backline defender if you don't talk like, you know, like Rasheed Wallace was one of the most amazing defenders because, and he was on that Detroit Piston team that won was maybe one of the best defensive teams ever. I think our 08 team was better, but you know, like that team was really good defensively. Rasheed Wallace never stops talking on the defensive end. And that is a big part of it. Just think if you're a guard guarding the ball and there's a guy behind you just yapping, it's, it's, it brings confidence in you. Now you know you can get up into the ball. You can pressure the ball. You can be active with your hands knowing there's a guy to your left right behind you. Mm-hmm. What do you think he said to LeBron on the bench the other night that got, you know, the Celtics bench was, in, was laughing. Did you see that clip where uh, – LeBron was going to the free throw line. I think he got caught. He called for a yeah. foul or something. You know what? If uh, it should Grant Williams be chirping LeBron in that in that instance? Yeah, yeah. You can't be scared, Chris. Like, I'm not saying it's scared. Like Brandon Boston wasn't scared of Marcus Smart last night. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, like, yeah, like if you want to chirp LeBron, chirp LeBron. But he had the whole bench laughing. What was, yeah. do you know? What it was? No, I, I'm fascinated to know. I, I'm waiting oh, yeah. for Grant's next I access. No I don't know. Maybe he was talking about like you know some meeting of the vice president of players association was no nah, you know? <laughs> to me i'm just gonna chalk it up he's definitely talking about russell westbrook <laughs> <laughs> what else could it be I don't what know. else could yeah. it be like if he was destroying if he said anything about the celtics then they wouldn't have laughed like that nah. so he either he either made fun of the officials right that's one or he made fun of westbrook what, what, or or he made fun of his teammates. Like, can you believe they pick playing? I'm playing with these bum ass, you know, <laughs> one way or another, like he made fun of somebody. He didn't make fun of the Celtics. That's, there's no way the guys would have been like that, but it was officials or Westbrook. Yeah. LeBron doesn't like playing with Westbrook, dude. I can read body language. Oh my know? gosh. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's that's awful. Awesome. We, we, we've said it like as much as that was the one Westbrook game of the year, probably where he kind of takes over and has a great night. But uh, if they can get John Wall, he will have his bags packed and LeBron will, <laughs> will try with with the new part. Speaking of, of changes around the league. So what we sit here right now, Celtics are 500 and I don't know what the path forward is. I'm not asking you what Brad Stevens should do, but as you see instances like Portland going into a rebuild mode, potentially and Indiana signaling that they're probably going the same way. Are there when you look at those teams, are there anyone from a Celtics perspective that you say, Ooh, I think Brad should maybe inquire about. Is there, do you think there there's anyone on those, those rosters that, that could help this team? Uh, I mean, I think Nurkic would, I like Nurkic. He's a little bit slow, but I mean, I think he's under a good contract. Isn't he like yeah. 12 or 13? 12, 12, I think. Yeah. He fits on the, yeah. TPA. so I like Nurkic, but I don't know if we'll keep him long-term. Um, let me think about that. I, I'm not a big Robert Covington fan. I know the world loves Covington. I'm not a huge fan of Covington. I like Norman Powell, but he's making $20 million. So that's. I think what, it's 15. I, I think it escalates. Yeah, it's, that's 15. He escalates up. He's, okay. he's, he's one of the goes, those guys. Um, I, I don't think they're moving Norman Powell. They just committed to him. I know that they go into rebuild. They could do it. Um, yeah. How much does uh, Sabonis make? We just don't have the assets to get yeah. those guys. And and that's what's hard is what do you give up? You'd have to mortgage all your future picks in order and throw, you know, yeah. are they taking Al's contract to make the money work? Probably not. And so it gets difficult there. I mean, yeah. w- would, you, would you give up a ransom for, for Brogdon if they'd move him? I, you, you can't, like, I love Marcus Smart. I don't like, yeah. I think in the way I look at it is, and I know people have a hard time with this one, right? If we're going to play, if we're playing at a high level, like Marcus Smart is so valuable to our team. And he's, he, we're next, has there, I don't think there's ever really, I got to really watch and go back where everything is right. 
flowing, defensively getting after it. Like we're flying all over the place and Marcus is playing bad. I, I always see it like we're playing like garbage. No one's passing the ball. Defensively, we're going through the motions and then Marcus is not playing well. But I'm, I, and, and I think it's like, well, if you guys are going to take those BS shots, I'm going to take some BS shots too. But I'm, I don't know. I have to really think about it. If there is, it's very few times where the team is playing unreal, playing the right way, balls flying, guarding, and Marcus is out there just tricking it off. I haven't seen much of that. So I, I'm a big fan. I, I mean, I, I love I love him across the board, like his defense, his, his instincts, whatever. His, I, I don't even mind his shoot. I, I don't, I, there's nothing I have. I don't have a problem with him. It, it, it's it's hard for me to envision a Celtics team that doesn't have Marcus Smart, but you know that yeah. just could be because he's just always been here. But I do think there's you know as as we go forward, if if this isn't the right mix, I think there is. It's fair to start wondering, you know, what what is the piece? And I think that's the hard part for me is there's some years like last year where I said, man, they just really need a four. Like I would have been sitting here screaming about Covington, or you know, we obviously went through it with um, with all the Kings players and um, you know guys like Harrison Barnes and how much he could help. But this year, I don't know necessarily what the missing piece is. They obviously need shooting, and that could be at any position on the floor just to ease the, the load on, on Tatum and Brown. But if they are a competitor, is it that simple? Do they just need more shooters to, to – No, those guys got to play better. Like, Jalen Brown's got to shoot the ball better and more consistent from three. Uh, you know, all those guys, they got to get – you know, like, I don't really look necessarily – like, when you guys watch, there are a few times – Maybe you watch the makes and misses. I look at spacing and timing. I look at pass placement. You know, they, did the guy have to, did the guy make the right decision when he caught it? Like, there's a big difference between, you saw Schroeder yesterday, and I, I, I find this so unique, that he would pass up wide open looks, and then he would pump fake, pump fake, and then make it, right? Like, that's hard to do. There's a, there's a professional pace involved in basketball that when the Celtics play at that, I think they'll make shots. When that ball's popping and guys are attacking, shoulders getting downhill to the rim, you know, corners are being held. Like when all that stuff happens, like I think they'll make shots. It's just, so I don't think that you go out there all of a sudden, if your spacing sucks, the ball doesn't pop, you don't play with the right pace. Right. I don't care if you got all like Steph Curry out there, like it's not going to make a difference. You've got to, those things are all locked in. Just like turn the Warriors on, watch them play. They're it, they're a great team. They're not a great team because they have Steph Curry. They it, it's part of that, but their spacing is amazing. Are I bet you they could kind of play blindfolded. Like as soon as a double team happened, they can get the ball and like just throw it over to the mm -hmm. corner, knowing that there's going to be a guy there. There at the beginning of this year, I thought our spacing was awful. There were times when our spacing improved. And then I thought in the Utah game, our spacing was ridiculous. Yeah. That, that little stretch there where we were just like toying with Gobert. But the Laker game, we were terrible. And the Clipper game, we were terrible. So I don't, I don't personally, I don't understand how spacing could waver that much, but it does happen sometimes. Well, welcome to the 2000, I was going to say 2021, 22 Celtics experience, but it's really been for the last three years where I've been baffled by what uh why the the flows and ebbs and uh in this play uh, uh one thing i'm curious being in a locker room when you are on this roller coaster and you have a night like this where two nights in a row in la disappointing one because of the the magnitude of the rival and then just losing sure. to a team without stars what has to be said in the locker room what what does someone have to stand up and be like this is unacceptable again i know it's hard because we don't know what exactly motivates these guys but 
like how, how does that usually play out? What made you as a player be like, oh yeah, like this isn't acceptable. I need to go to another layer. Is it a rah-rah speech? Is it just like honest conversations? Is nah, it you can't have, you can't, you can't just throw those out there every day. Didn't it become like, yeah, it can't have happen. these, yeah, team meetings and rah-rah and you know, like all that stuff. That's not how it works. What you need to do is have like individual conversation. If I'm Udoka, I'm coming in the locker room. Like guys, we don't, we don't play hard enough and we got to play more consistent and we got to play smarter and you know you go through why and all that stuff but you got to have like something that you're good at and i thought and i thought the last couple of games like the identity has been trending the right direction I, I i thought so but these last two games were concerning but once again and i i hate i sorry i called you out yesterday on the broadcast i wasn't trying to be mean or anything like that but like a lot of those a lot of the points in the pain or points in the restricted area were based off of turnovers, oh, you know? Sure. So we can't say like, man, the defense sucks when we're just throwing the ball to the other team. You know, that's not, that's, you can call that transition defense, but transition defense to me starts when the ball hits the rim. Like any live ball turnovers are based off your offense, right? And there was plenty of live ball turnovers yesterday. So my, my biggest thing is, and I think hopefully the message is after the Laker game and now the Clipper game, you know, you they clearly can dig deep and play hard. I'm not asking the starters to do that over the course of the Minnesota play, but you've got to play harder. You got it. Those guys got to get after it. And if they're not, then what's the point of having depth? Just like you know, it's like it's it doesn't work unless guys play hard. And and I get it. During the regular season, Tatum's not going to have it every single night carrying the load that he has to. But there's got to be guys on that team that can provide a spark. And that's that's what you need to navigate an 82-game regular season and to how, stay off the roller coaster. How does Udoka hold them accountable in those instances? If they're not playing, playing time. Just, playing so time. You, can, you, can you yank a guy, though? Can you yank a Jason Tatum? Can you yank a Mark? No, Tatum? I mean, not Tatum, but you take him out and you, you, you're not toying with his time. It's right. Schroeder, Smart. Even Al at times, like, you know what? You don't have it today. I'm going with Hernan Gomez. Like, like, like Hernan Gomez played five minutes really hard. You know, Rob, okay, you're not going to go. I'm going right. to go with Kent. And, and he's he has, done that with Rob. He has done that with Rob. He has he has held Rob accountable from that. But playing time is the ultimate. And, like, you know, it's not going to not gonna bother some guys as much as it bothers other guys. But, you know, I think you'll be surprised on – like when guys see other people playing hard, how hard they get after it. I mean, just look at Smart. When Smart starts guarding people, everyone picks up their defensive energy. Why is Smart the only guy that does it? Why can't Peyton Pritchard do it or Aaron Neesmith? Are you buying your son that's 71 Schroeder jersey for Christmas? Not going to do it, man. I mean, think about the jerseys I bought him. I bought him Isaiah and Kyrie <laughs> and Gordon Hayward. I ain't doing that. I'm like, the, my son's the jinx. Uh, well, so. well, maybe you're the jinx. You're the one buying the jerseys. I don't wear them. I'm not wearing them. So, <laughs> bit, no. Bit, the, the, do yeah. not purchase him a Tatum or Jalen Brown or anybody else. Like, no, no. Yeah, my son really likes Schroeder. But my son now is really into the NBA. And, and yeah. you know, like, he loves James Booknight. He loves all the players that don't pass. I'm like, watch. We were watching James Booknight the other day. I'm like... He doesn't ever pass the ball. Why do you like guys like that? Like, I, it's so funny. I have my daughter who never shoots. Like, she's like Draymond Green, Ben Simmons, <laughs> and my son who never passes. He's like, he's like Book Night. I'm like, why can't you guys blend into one?
<laughs> I keep telling my son, pass the ball, pass the ball. There's open players, pass the ball. I tell my daughter, you got to shoot the ball. Where are you, Ben Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I, Just because it is, it is fascinating to me. It, has Schroeder played at a, a, a level high enough where if they could get him for, because we keep going, I, I keep playing this game. I say there's no path for bringing him back. And then yeah, everybody kind of- You're the one that can figure out the path. I, I can, but it's it, it's it's complicated. Essentially, he has to be willing to take probably four to five million dollars less to be on a. But you don't know what he's going to get out there. I don't. I, what I know is that the teams that are projected to have cap space aren't exactly like totally desirable situations. Yeah, dude, you can't back. do that right now. It's too early for that. Wait till after the trade deadline. You'll know projected true, cap true. space after the trade deadline. You don't saying, know. Like, who- does he want to go play for Detroit? Does he want to go play for Oklahoma City again? Like, no, nah, they don't want him. They want they don't want Truder. Exactly. So, so Truder's an interesting guy because like he's he's like good and he helps you win, but like young teams aren't gonna and there's a lot of good point guards out there, you yeah. know. So I don't know, like, like in my mind, because he played for the Hawks, that's an interesting one. You know, like I could see him as you know another guy out there. Yeah. They love they love, you know, like attacking the basket. He's a good lob thrower. Um if I was Orlando, I would look at him, even though they have Suggs and Anthony. Like, Schroeder, he's such a wild card from the stamp, a good wild card. Like, right. man, he can go out there and just, like, attack. He gets his first step, man. I mean, he's a jet. It is so fun. And I keep loving that number 71. I never it's thought about it. It's such a cool number, man. <laughs> it, it's got, it should catch on. I think I, I told you on the on the pregame show the other night. My uh, one of my daughter's best friends got seventy one for her her for her youth basketball jersey, and I was like, man, what a cool number! I would have never thought that. You know, I know. It, everyone would have been sitting there thinking, oh, it's an offensive line. What, what is what is the mo- the money that he'll get? What is it? So I mean, the Celtics, uh, if they can get below the tax and stay out of the tax, below the tax apron or whatever, and they could give him the full mid level, which will be 10, 11, something. We you know that I'd have to double check the number for next year, but um you know otherwise they're looking for teams with space and but like you said a lot of it's going to be teams will have fire sales at the deadline and now all of a sudden they've got 15 million but is Schroeder the guy you want to pay 15 million to I think ultimately it'll come down to is he the right fit do the Celtics depending on what their other moves are you know if they go sign another point guard for 20 million dollars you know you don't need a Dennis Schroeder but um you know i just i just i, I keep I, I do love watching him and i just think it's yeah. it's in, i think he, he is positively rubbed off on other guys like marcus smart in the terms of like when they drive they like oh oh we can drive this is great like you know the, let's do more of that um and i think they needed that they needed that i mean even jason tatum seeing it has to be like oh yeah hey look uh Schroeder does it Schroeder's not a perfect player he has moments where the defense is 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 terrible and i i i get i get frustrated at that but you know for, for what he is and for what he, they're paying him this year with the 5.9 is is insane so uh don't be bashful. i think i think i think 10 million would be enough. I think but it's two years, 20, or is it like four years? Yeah, 40? Like, I, I honestly, I think you could go 440 if you, if you wanted to. Yeah, I would do it. Uh, he's good. I'll talk to Brad. If you see my son at the Warriors game with the shooter jersey, that means I got some inside information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scal, trying to, trying to get me positive. Don't know if it's going to, going to stay that way, but I ride the roller coaster. It's what I do. And the roller coaster is, uh, is never ending. So uh, another guy I tried to get to, to talk me off the ledge was Danny Ainge. He was in town on Wednesday night for the tradition. He was there to uh, induct his buddy, Kevin McHale. Uh, Danny's living in Utah right now. And, uh, but he says he's open to 
new opportunities, which is kind of weird because just a few months ago he retired. But uh, here's Danny Ainge talking about the struggling Celtics and what's ahead for, for Mr. Ainge. You said that you, the struggle for this year's team, much like last year, is just putting together 48 minutes. Why do you think that is so far for them? Well, I mean, you know, last year, I think we had we lost more players to injury and COVID than any other team. And I think that's part of it. And this year is the same way. I mean, I think one of the most frustrating things about the team has just been uh, last year and this year is just every day you're like looking at the, the injury report to see who's playing. And, um, you know, it's just been one guy after another. When you miss two or three key players each night, it, it takes a toll. How do you think Brad has done in the infancy of that job and you know, just the, his initial moves? And what would your advice be sort of moving forward? Yeah, I think Brad's done a great job. Uh, uh, I think that, you know, getting Dennis Schroeder in here this summer was huge. And uh, Josh Richardson is really playing well for the team right now, especially lately after a little bit of a slow start, but he's playing really well. Um, you know, and I think that the team, had, you know, we've seen what Aaron's, Aaron Neesmith and, and Peyton could do, you know, where they showed us what they could do last year, but there's just so much depth on the team, especially in those wing and outside shooter positions that it's tough. Uh, it's a tough, it's a tough place to, to coach because if, if, when everybody is healthy. So, but the team is at, at its strongest when, you know, their top guys are all healthy. And when Robert Williams and Al Horford and Jalen and Jason and, you know, Marcus Schroeder, like all those guys are, when everybody's healthy, the team's good. What have you thought of Jalen and Jason and the progress they've made? I know Jalen hasn't been out there as much, but especially Jason uh, sort of being a focal point at the start of the season. Yeah, so I thought Jalen started out great, started the season amazing, uh, you know, the best player on the team early in the year. And then the injury happened and he hasn't been the same since. And uh, and Jason has had his ups and downs, but you, you know, we know what great player he is. I mean, I'm not worried. You know, people say, oh, Jason's struggling. But I mean, like that's the least of every worry, at least in my mind, about the Boston Celtics. I mean, he is going to figure it out. And, uh, you know, the question is, can the rest of the guys step up and, and uh, you know, play their roles and take some of the burden off of him? How weird has it been to be on the outside? And are you enjoying the downtime? What have, what have you been doing? It's not weird. Um, you know, I, like I said, I still have contacts within the organization and that's helped, you know, not instead of just cold turkey, leave the team. But um, I watch a lot of NBA games. I still, you know, follow the college game. And I love basketball and I'm living in Utah right now. And, you know, it's, it's a lot nicer because the games start two hours earlier. So I'm not up so late watching games and I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I've been spending time with my family and my grandkids and, um, spending more time playing golf and enjoying my friendships and traveling a little bit more and uh, it's been very relaxing you know very relaxing is it how does it feel when i don't know what your future holds but you hear people speculate about whether you'd want to get back into this do you take that with a grain of salt like what do you think when you hear people mention your name for other opportunities down the road well you know i'm not closing the book on other opportunities but you know, they'd have to be the right situation. I'd have to be working with the right people in the right role. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to get back into 18 hour days. Um, you know, I don't think that's in anybody's best interest for that matter. But, you know, I know how I know how much work it takes to be good at the, at the job. And 
At the same time, I have 40 years of experience in the NBA, and I think I have a lot to offer um, some team that might see that you know me as a helper to people in the organization. But um, yeah, just de depending on what the role is. What's it been like to see some of your draftees start to blossom, especially like Rob and guys that are getting more opportunity this year? Even Marcus, I mean. Well, I mean, all of them are were my draftees. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty much guys, everybody. I, I feel like, I think that, you know, I, I like them all. I mean, it's fun watching them play and watching them grow. But, you know, getting, be, getting the right players together um, is important. And, uh, you know, but I mean, we see, like I said, Jalen starts out great. Jason, we know how great he is. And so go, those guys go without saying, but Marcus is playing great. Marcus has been a, a stable force for us in all of our playoff runs for the last six or seven years. And, you know, like, um, you know, it's hard not to like Marcus and what he brings to the table. And, you know, it's just like, it's it, it's like every team goes through this, but, you know, putting players within the right roles uh, so they can have the best chance of success and the team can have success is always the challenge. And, um, you know, with a new coach this year, he's trying to figure out who everybody is. And with all the injuries, you know, it's tough to really establish a, a, a rotation. So it's been tough. It's, it, it's, it hasn't been easy. But um, like I said, I'm encouraged by what the team can be. What do you miss most about this area? I know you're back all floating in, floating out, but like, what do you, what, what's the, from the day to day? What do you miss most? Well, I miss most. I miss my, my three grandkids mm. that are here. Uh, that's what I miss the most. Um, but I miss being around the guys. I miss, you know, the, I, I, I call everybody periodically, but I miss being around the staff that, that we assembled here over the 18 years. And, uh, you know, I miss just talking basketball and talking shop with everybody. Well, you can still call me. We can talk basketball. I miss you around here. I miss your insight. Well, you got my number. I know, I know. Thank you, Danny Ainge. I, think, I still think it's fascinating. Danny Ainge uh, kind of looking around the league and seeing what opportunities might be out there for him. Um, you know, it's clear he doesn't want to go back to 18-hour days, like he said, but, uh, you know, you don't have to, to go far to connect these dots. He's got a lot of friends in that jazz organization. He's living in Utah right now. I know a lot of people will say, oh, Portland is hometown up there in Oregon and all that, but uh, I, I still think that the more likely scenario is Danny trying to latch on as an advisor to a team, maybe trying to help them navigate uh, whether it's Utah trying to get over the hump and, and be a legitimate title contender or maybe aiding a team that's uh, a little bit more in the rebuild mode. We know Danny uh, has excelled at times in the rebuild portion, uh, even though the Celtics are still waiting to get another championship. But uh, they're hoping his draftees can, can figure it out. But while we wait to see if they can, the end of this trip isn't going to be easy with Phoenix coming up on Friday and then got Milwaukee and Golden State next week. Uh, we'll see how positive we are, but hang in there. Everybody go like, subscribe, check us out on the YouTube page. We'll catch you next time on the Celtics Talk Podcast. <laughs>